Hello and welcome to the latest episode of our Regulating Tomorrow Plus podcast. My name is Catherine Pluck and I'm a senior knowledge lawyer here at Norton Rose Fulbright in London. And today I'm joined by Council Joe Smallshaw and Associate Lizzie Cox, both of whom specialise in regulatory investigations and enforcement. And today we're going to be discussing some of the key themes arising from the Financial Conduct Authority's recent anti-money laundering enforcement decisions. Joe, let's start with you. Um, perhaps you can give us some context to today's discussion. Yes, thanks, Kat, um, and hello, everyone. So as many of those listening will be aware, there have been a number of FCA enforcement decisions relating to AML over the last 12 months. And what we thought would be helpful to firms in relation to this area would be to identify the recurring themes from those decisions, which firms should be aware of so they can avoid the same pitfalls. Some of the FCA's largest fines over the last year relate to failures to address financial crime risks, including AML, and it's therefore extremely important that firms pay attention to their systems and controls in this area. Absolutely. AML and the prevention of financial crime in general continues to be a significant focus area for the FCA. In fact, in its latest business plan, um, the FCA flags that over the past year, it has worked to improve its cross-organisational response to financial crime, including AML, and that going forward, it will be building upon its data-led approaches to act quickly to identify and close down system weaknesses. Um, it's also worth noting here that AML investigations by a regulator are often quite complex um, and that's because they're rarely transactional and they really require a comprehensive understanding of how a firm actually operates. As a result, any AML investigation by the FCA is likely to be intrusive for a firm, not to mention rather costly, and so firms really need to be getting these things right from the off. Lizzie, to help firms with this, um, perhaps you could introduce us to the themes we'll be discussing today. Um, of course, we're going to touch on six key themes which we've identified from the recent enforcement cases. And these are as follows. Firstly, policies and procedures. Secondly, client due diligence and enhanced client due diligence. Thirdly, ongoing monitoring. Uh, fourthly, responding to warning signs of potential money laundering issues. Fifthly, training and resourcing. And finally, we're going to look at the particular risks associated with correspondent banking. Great. Thanks, Lizzie. Shall we start with policies and procedures? Uh, yes, absolutely no surprises with this one, Kat. Nearly all of the recent final notices relating to AML remark that the firm in question's policies and procedures were inadequate for identifying, assessing and then mitigating the risks of financial crime. The cases demonstrate that Firms' policies and procedures must provide adequate guidance on how to actually conduct client due diligence, including what information should be obtained when you're onboarding your clients and how it should be assessed, and then what factors should be considered with reference to the purpose and the intended nature of the business relationship that you're intending to enter into. Firms' procedures must also set out adequate processes and procedures for enhanced due diligence and processes and procedures for monitoring, including monitoring of, of transactions. In some cases, the policies and procedures were criticised by the FCA as they did not set out how or indeed the frequency with which a firm was to monitor customer activity, and nor did they require staff to review transactions undertaken throughout the course of the customer relationship to ensure that they actually were consistent with the customer's business and risk profile as understood by um, by the firm. 
Uh, the FCA also flagged instances where policies were poorly drafted and, and firms, again, can learn from this. For example, in one of the cases, failures included that staff seeking practical instruction on how to onboard and monitor respondents needed to review several different fragmented and overlapping policies and, and manuals. And in another case, the FCA criticised the failure of a firm's policies to guard against over-reliance being placed on relationship managers when it, when it was considering suspicion on a customer account. And this was seen as particularly disappointing as the FCA's financial crime guide specifically highlights this as a risk. Um, so that's something that firms really need to consider. Uh, finally, on this theme, the FCA findings against one firm concerned failures in policies and procedures governing automated transaction monitoring. And here, policies and procedures for two of its key automated transaction monitoring systems were not appropriate or sufficiently risk sensitive owing to failures in scenario coverage um, and the parameters and data. And the firm failed to ensure that policies managing and monitoring these systems were adequately followed by its staff. Really useful. Thanks, Lizzie. Um, Joe, could you tell us about our next theme, client due diligence and enhanced due diligence? What are the learning for firms here? Well, a number of the recent AML decisions contain findings by the FCA that there had been a failure to carry out CDD or EDD. The FCA found that firms, amongst other things, lacked an appreciation of the risks involved in certain functions, which resulted in inadequate CDD being conducted. It also found that firms failed to undertake and document risk assessments and also to correctly identify clients as high risk. And finally, the, the FCA decisions also highlighted that firms sometimes did not collect sufficient information to enable them to understand the purpose and intended nature of the business relationships they were establishing. Um, and this included the anticipated level and nature of activity to be undertaken and the source of funds or the trading history of the clients in order to provide a meaningful basis for transaction monitoring. And these cases demonstrate the importance of firms aggregating relevant risks in this area rather than considering them in isolation. In one case, the FCA nevertheless deemed that the firm's consideration of risk factors was inadequate because it gave insufficient weight to the risk factors individually and failed to properly consider them holistically. Firms should also be alive to the fact that a corruption red flag will often be apparent from the context of the transaction, the sector, the jurisdiction or the counterparty, rather than necessarily being direct evidence of corruption or bribery. Agreed. Thanks, Joe. Of course, a failure to conduct the necessary CDD or EDD of clients means that firms are unable to assess properly the risk profile of those clients and the measures required to limit the risk of money laundering posed by those clients, not only at the time of onboarding, but also during the client relationship. This leads us neatly onto our next theme, ongoing monitoring. Lizzie, could you please talk to us about this? Yes, again here in the cases the FCA identified a number of failures which firms should look to avoid and these included firstly a lack of appreciation of the risks involved in a client's business which resulted in amongst other things a failure to monitor transactions adequately to identify unusual transactions. Secondly and linked to one of our earlier themes inadequate policies and procedures governing transaction monitoring systems which were not sufficiently risk sensitive um, and were not appropriately followed. And finally, a failure to obtain the necessary evidence required to scrutinise transactions appropriately using a risk-based approach. In one instance, the FCA noted that a firm had been slow to obtain 
AML questionnaires from respondent banks. And whilst they knew the respondents took extended periods of time to, to return the questionnaires, the firm did not place any restrictions on accounts in the meantime. And furthermore, although the firm agreed it would give notice to respondents who continued to ignore its request for AML policies and other due diligence it was conducting, it failed to do so and then took no action at all. Um, related to this theme, Kat, I also wanted to quickly mention record keeping here. The cases are a really good reminder for firms that it's paramount that they not only comply with the requirements for combating AML and financial crime more broadly, including in relation to monitoring, but they can evidence this compliance because otherwise you don't get the points. <laughs> um, record keeping failures flagged in the cases included where firms had no formal systems in place for record keeping, firms failed to make and keep adequate, or in some cases, any written records as evidence of work undertaken relating to the consideration and discussion of financial crime and AML matters by management. And firms failed to keep documents or other information obtained for the purposes of CDD up to date. That point in relation to record keeping is a really important one for firms. Moving on to our next theme, responding to warning signs of potential money laundering issues. Joe, what are the key takeaways for firms here? Well, I think the learnings for firms in these cases on this theme include that there must be sufficient challenge, scrutiny and investigation in the face of warning signs of AML issues. Those responsible for carrying out AML checks must also resist over-relying on explanations provided by others, for example by the relationship managers who will have an interest in the AML checks being passed. And therefore, they should instead look to probe those explanations, for example, by seeking further information from internal or open sources about a client. They should also avoid um, placing undue reliance on the outcome of any previous investigations that have been carried out. And what about our fifth theme, training and resourcing? What are the learnings for firms there? Well, the overarching takeaway on training is, um, as you might expect, that it's really important to adequately train your compliance function. And that includes allowing sufficient time for training. In one of the cases, staff had raised concerns about training and experience, and some had reported that they had thought that analysts were not adequately trained, and that pressure to meet unrealistic targets meant that there was insufficient time for training, and that overtime was uh, regularly required to get through the workload. In that case, the FCA found that the training material was adequate for the purposes of the money laundering regulations, um, but that members of staff and the relevant function had to meet targets which were ambitious, with the result that the training wasn't sufficiently embedded. The cases also highlight the risks of using off-the-shelf generic AML courses that aren't specific to a firm's business or its systems or its processes. And with regards to resourcing, the cases are a reminder that financial crime functions must be adequately resourced in terms of not only the number of personnel, but also in relation to the experience and seniority of team members, which must be sufficient to properly deal with the volume and the complexity of the work being assigned to that team. Where resourcing issues are identified, these must be promptly dealt with, and the FCA has been critical of senior management, um, where those senior management were aware of inadequate resourcing levels, but failed to take any action. So should we move back to you now, Lizzie? Should we talk about our final theme, correspondent banking? As many of those listening will know, in correspondent banking transactions, correspondent banks often have no direct relationship with the underlying parties to a transaction and therefore have limited information regarding the nature and purpose of the underlying transaction. Correspondent banking is therefore regarded as high risk from an AML perspective. 
Yes, that's right, Kat. Firms undertaking correspondent banking activities are required by the money laundering regs to apply on a risk-sensitive basis, enhanced customer due diligence measures and enhanced ongoing monitoring. In one of the cases we reviewed, the FCA found that the firm had failed to establish, maintain and then communicate appropriate policies and procedures in relation to its correspondent banking activities, despite the higher risk of financial crime posed by its relationships with respondents from non-EEA countries. And the firm also failed to perform sanctions checks in relation to a number of the respondent banks at the time the business relationships were established which is obviously a clear failing. Here, the FCA considered that the firm's failures were particularly serious, as prior to and throughout the relevant period, they'd issued a number of publications and disciplinary notices, which specifically highlighted the high-risk nature of correspondent banking. So keep an eye on FCA guidance. Absolutely. Um, Joe, before we conclude, shall we take a look at some of the penalties issued? I understand that some of them have been very significant. Yes, well, the FCA identified serious or um, systematic weaknesses in systems and controls for all of the cases we looked at. So the level of the fines imposed are perhaps unsurprising, and we've seen fines in the, uh, the high tens of millions and, and in some circumstances over 100 million. Um, and interestingly, in terms of the aggravating factors um, that the FCA has taken account in its penalty calculations, a significant proportion of the decisions referred to failures in light of previous regulatory decisions or other regulatory activity and available guidance. We've already touched on this as regards correspondent banking, um, but tying in with my earlier points about properly responding to warning signs, there are a number of other cases where firms have been put on notice by the FCA of potential or actual weaknesses in their AML controls or who had previously been fined by the FCA but had nevertheless failed to take necessary actions. So the moral of the story is, if you're put on notice, take this seriously and do something about it without delay. Absolutely. It sounds like the FCA's position is that they've made it clear that AML deficiencies will not be tolerated given the amount of guidance available for firms out there. Yes, that's right. And um, I'd add that firms should really consider taking um, expert advice if they're contacted by the FCA on any of these issues. Great. Thank you, Joe and Lizzie, for your insights today. Do look out for further updates on our Regulation Tomorrow blog on this and other topics. Thank you for listening.